when you go home at night, you don't want your roommate to know if you played good or bad, right? Like you should, you should be the same person. You can't carry that baggage off the golf course. This is the Tournament Code. We appreciate you taking the time to join us today, Alex. We know and have heard good things about you in your work at Kentucky and also outside of playing at Kentucky, just your general amateur career. Before we get to that, we'll start where we start with everybody, which is how'd you get into the game of golf? Yes, so my mom, I'll give credit to her here. She bought me my first set of plastic clubs. I was probably two years old. Um, so we would go out in the backyard and hit plastic balls and clubs. And uh, so I could, I'll give her some credit there. And then when I was a little bit older, my dad would take me to the golf course. He's, he's a pretty good golfer himself. Doesn't play a ton, but we've always enjoyed doing that together. So he would take me and I'd walk with him and in the evenings and play nine holes. So, yeah. That is awesome. How'd you start getting into playing tournaments and things of that nature? Yeah, so all my friends growing up played baseball. So obviously that's what I wanted to do. I played baseball pretty much year-round until I was in high school. I played middle school golf, but on the weekends it was always travel baseball, going somewhere in North or South Carolina or Georgia playing travel tournaments. So I really didn't start playing, I would say, competitive golf until high school and in North Carolina, golf and baseball are in the same season. They're in the spring. So I was kind of forced to make a decision. Do I want to stick with baseball or do I want to do golf full time? And ultimately, I chose golf. And I think one of the big reasons I chose it was I liked the idea that you could practice on your own. Baseball, you can't do that as easily. And that's kind of what appealed me with golf is I could never got tired of practicing. I could do it on my own. I didn't have to have anybody there. And, and ultimately, that's probably why I decided. It, and it was hard because none of my friends played golf, um, maybe one or two, but most of them stuck with baseball. And uh, so it was kind of something I took a jump. And obviously, I'm, I'm glad I, it worked out. But yeah. Did you have any individualized coaching with golf early, early in that decision process? Or did you kind of move into coaching later on? I would say before high school, definitely not. Never had a lesson. And then once I started high school, so the home, the golf course in my hometown, 18-hole course, public course, no driving range, barely a putting green. Um, and once I started high school, I was like, all right, I need access to something a little bit better. And um, we were lucky enough to join a place called a Gaston Country Club, which is about 20 minutes from where I grew up. And that's actually how I got connected with Coach Craig. He grew up playing there, and I started taking lessons from a guy named Bruce Sudreth. He taught Coach Craig. He taught Harold Varner. I mean, I was lucky. I, I probably had my first lesson with him when I was a sophomore, and he was very old school. Uh, I'll still see him every now and then. Don't go to him full time, but I'll see him when I'm home for the summers. And I can – He he's kind of – Taught me a lot, and, and I'd say I would credit him for really building, like, the foundation of my game when, when I, I was in high school, for sure. So you mentioned he's kind of an old-school coach. So what were those fundamentals and foundations that you guys worked on when you started working with him? Yeah, so it was no, like, technology. I feel like nowadays there's the track mans and the 
the the pat the mats that you step on for all the uh, it's nowadays it's crazy but he was very old school it was a lot of like swing plane and and simple things like alignment setup grip and i think that's looking back on it i'm glad that he was like that because it helped build the foundation of my swing and my game and it was always very simple it was he'd maybe take one video per lesson but it was more with his eyes and he was he was just very good at little quick fixes and he i would say i don't know i'm just very grateful for how he taught because i think it it built a really good foundation for for my golf swing now in my golf game and uh he helped me a lot you mentioned that you kind of got connected through coach Craig, Craig through getting lessons over there and Gaston. As far as college goes, you said, you know, I was playing baseball finally in high school, decided I was going to focus full time on golf. How did you get to the point that not only were you, how'd you get to the point where you're good enough to say, okay, I'm going to go play college golf at Kentucky or wherever. Yeah, it, it was it was hard because I feel like I, I felt very behind the eight ball because a lot of the kids I started, I think my first tournament was the summer after my freshman year, I shot 90 and made a quad on my first ever hole that I played in like an actual junior tournament. Then I felt so far behind the eight ball because a lot of these kids I was playing against have been playing competitive tournaments since they were six, seven, eight years old. And I really, I didn't know what tournaments to play in. I didn't know how to go about it. And I, and I, I really learned that, unless you're like really like big time in junior golf, you have to recruit yourself. So my dad helped me a lot here. Bruce, the guy I took lessons from helped me a lot. And I basically just fired off emails. As soon as I got to where I was playing better and shooting closer to par, I would just any school in North, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, I just fired off emails, told them a little bit about myself, just told them to, keep up with what I'm doing. I would update them regularly. And I would say I probably turned a corner after my sophomore year of high school that summer. I played pretty well and started getting some confidence and learning more about how to play tournament golf and, and kind of what it takes to play at the next level. And started going on some visits. Bruce was really who put me in contact with Coach Craig. He came down and watched a lesson that I had with him. And I remember being so nervous. And it was the best I ever hit the ball. He, it was like an hour long lesson, and he watched me the whole time. I'm so nervous. I'm like, oh, please just, please just find the club face and hit it somewhat solid. I remember hitting it so good. I was like, all right, well, maybe I can, maybe we can put together something together here. But even before that, I came to a, that was my sophomore year. I came to a camp at Kentucky. And I just remember leaving, telling my dad, thinking, man, like this would literally be like a, dream come true if I could play here and but then I I never like imagined that it would be possible to do that and I just kept getting better and better and better came on some visits here and some other schools and ended up committing here I think the middle of my junior year in high school maybe in like November of my junior year so it was fairly early but there were kids that when I started playing junior golf in ninth grade there were kids that were already committed to college and it was hard to kind of I just felt like so far behind, but it ended up working out and uh, it was awesome. It was really, it was a huge goal of mine. And once it came true, it was, it was pretty cool. Now, once you got to Kentucky, you've worked your way up to be the best player on the team currently. And I believe you've been the best player on the team for quite a while now. Is this something that you envisioned happening or were you just kind of, you know, I'm glad to be on the team. I'm glad to be an SEC player. I would say 
my first year, it was definitely, hey, I'm just kind of happy to be here. I redshirted my first year of college. It hit me kind of hard, I would say. I was I was a homebody and went to school six hours away from home. Didn't know anyone except teammates who I had met maybe once or twice before college. And I got here and honestly played terrible my first semester. I, I, I had talked with Coach Craig, and I figured there was a better chance than not that I would redshirt. But then again, you, you can't come in and tell yourself I'm going to redshirt. you got to prepare yourself to play. And it was just hard at first to balance classes and workouts and practice and qualifying. And I'm playing courses that I've never played before. And there's guys on the team that have been here three, four years that know the courses. And I just it's it's hard. It's a big adjustment. So that first semester was definitely really hard. Game wasn't great. And I was I have to do something. And I ended up going to see Corey Kaufman in Louisville and have been taking lessons with him ever since. And he's helped me a lot mentally, physically. So that was big. And then finally, so I ended up redshirting and then I had a pretty good summer after that. And then I've played ever since. And, yeah. Corey's a great guy and a great coach. I think one of the things that makes him special is that he's he's been there. He's played golf. He's played at a high level. And he knows what it's like to – not have it at some point and he knows the pressure uh whereas guys who haven't been and some there are plenty of good coaches who've never been there but in a case like that it's nice to have someone who can relate to where you were so as we talked about you know college you got better you redshirted your freshman year and then you kind of got more into a groove tell us what call what you thought college was gonna be like and playing at school was going to be like versus probably what it actually ended up being like. Cause as you said, you got a lot to balance there between school, qualifying golf, any semblance of a social life. If you want to try to have one. Yeah. It, I, I kind of thought it would honestly, I didn't really think it would be that much different than playing junior golf, but it's so much different because it's, it's really your, it's your full-time job, but you also have school. You want to have a little bit of a social life. You have workouts. You have everything. And Coach Craig, you, I think you saw us tell us there's three things. It's golf, school, and social life, and you can only be too good at two of them. And that's your choice to make. And if you want to be good at golf, you're going to choose golf. And you got to make it great. So you got to you got to be good at school. So that 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 was a hard thing to kind of balance and understand. But as I've gotten older, it's obviously gotten easier. Um, you kind of learn. Kind of learn how to ma- time management is huge. I think it's important to know that the older I've gotten, I, when I was younger, I used to think that in order to have a productive day of practice, I have to be practice for eight hours, six hours, be out here all day. And I think the older I've gotten, I've realized that a shorter two, three hour practice that's more focused and more productive and you have a plan on what you're doing and how to get better, that is much more beneficial than just wasting space out here and spending six hours all day and just going through the motions and not really having a plan on, on what you're doing. And I think that's one thing that has really helped me a lot with college golf and how to practice and prepare going forward. Well, tell us what a practice looks like for you, both one of those, you know, shorter, maybe more condensed practices where you're focused on a few things. And then maybe the day, you know, sometimes every now and then you have a practice where you're stretching it out, et cetera, and have more that you want to do. Tell us what that looks like. 
Yes. So we have, we'll have team practices or on our own practices and they're both very different. I would say our team practices now are more competitively driven. I mean, that's one thing that I've really liked is you have to find a way to simulate pressure when you practice. And that's one thing that I used to struggle with. I would never, I would never feel nerves until I teed it up and that's, that's not good. It's not how you get better. You have to find ways when you practice to simulate that pressure. So when you're thrown into the arena during an actual tournament, it's not a foreign object, right? You've, you've, you've been there before, but I would say when I'm practicing on my own, I've never been a huge range rat. I don't like to just sit. I get bored pretty easily just sitting on, unless I'm like working on my swing. I don't like just beating balls. Um, I do more practice with short game and putting, but I've always done most of my practice on the course. I'll, take a cart, go out on the course, hit three, four shots from different areas, just because I think that's better to help simulate how a tournament is, right? If you're hitting on – anybody can hit a good shot on the range. There's no wind, perfect lie. You're just aiming into an open space. And I, I, I've always got a lot more out of it when I go onto the course and hit different shots, uh, get creative. And and I think that's what what's helped me a lot. And then our, our team practices now are, like I said, very competitive – it's a lot of one-on-one competition stuff with our teammates where we're having where we're chipping putting uh, wet a lot of wedges and you're really competing against that guy and trying to beat the other guy and and it's it's very uh, very fo- it's two three hours long very focused everybody's locked in and I think that's that's been big for me and then on my own to help simulate pressure I'll do a lot of like putting drills to where you have to get X amount in a row or you start over. I think that's, in my opinion, the best way to simulate those nerves that you feel on the course, whether that's maybe you have to make 10, five, six footers in a row. You get to that ninth or 10th one and you're feeling it because you don't want to start over. Because if you start over, you might be doing it for an hour or two, right? So that's that's something I think has helped me a lot. If those team practices, you guys are competitive, what sort of things are you guys doing you said you know wedges putting and some short game stuff what does the format look like and is there anything at stake what's what's going into it yeah so there's two different types of team practices this year um it's a little different with with coach todd but basically he split the team into a blue team and a white team we have 12 guys on our team so six on blue team six on the white team and we'll he brings like a whiteboard to the our back end of our facility, and basically a guy from the blue team will go up against a guy from the white team, and there'll be a six-hole chipping course. You hit six chips. Whoever's the closest gets a point. A six-hole putting course. You make it. The other guy misses. You're up one. It's match play. And then wedges, and he'll stand out on the range closest to whatever the distance we're trying to hit it, where it lands, gets a point. So that's good just because you're, you're trying to beat that guy. And then the other, other thing we'll do is we'll set up drills and games where you keep track. This is more individually, but we'll set up drills and games where you keep track of how many points you get. And winner will get, I don't know, like a hat or a trip. He calls it a trip to the closet. We have a little storage room that has a lot of cool gear, and the winner from practice will will get that. And, and nobody wants to lose, and it's nice to have something on the line. It, it kind of it kind of um, heightens everybody's focus a little bit. That is awesome. So talk a little bit about playing in tournaments now. You've progressed along in your college career. You're a little bit older. you gotten better. What's it like playing in a tournaments and knowing going out there knowing, hey, I have a 
I have a chance to win this thing. Yeah, it's. I would say the biggest thing with me always has been confidence. I've always been somebody that my confidence comes from basically my results, which can be a bad thing sometimes, but I've had to learn how to get it from other places. And when I'm, I've been good in the past at riding hot streaks. And then when I'm not playing as well, it's a little tougher for me to have that confidence. But I feel like I always play my best when I am internally confident. But tournaments, I think one thing I'm, I, I think I do a pretty good job at kind of tuning everything out. Let's say I'm not playing great heading into a tournament, right? hit it bad on the range before the round. I feel like I've, the order I've gotten, I've done very well. It kind of, as soon as I hit that first tee shot, just kind of blocking everything else out. And this is what I have today. I'm going to get it in the hole with what I have. I don't, not somebody that can play with swing thoughts or thinking about my golf swing or anything. I, I'm not, I'm not good at that. And I, and I feel like I do a good job of just kind of tuning everything out. It's just me in the golf course and just going out and playing. and. I'd say that's the biggest thing that's helped me with with tournament golf and, and and getting better. Talk about riding the highs and and getting hot. Back in 2020, you had a incredible hot streak of starting out in uh, September. You won the state amateur at Lexington Country Club, shooting I think it was like 15 or 16 under, which is really good on that golf course for three rounds. And then you turned around and you won the Blessings Intercollegiate, and I think you may have even won another tournament later in the fall, but. Just talk about, you know, what you felt during that two or three month stretch and what it was like just being able to play so good back to back to back. Yes. Yeah, so I never really I had played well in college and in return sudden, but I had never really won anything of like significance before that. And that summer, the last term of the summer, I think it was the southeastern amateur. I remember birdie in the last hole to tie the lead and thought I was going to win. The kid who I was tied with airmails the green, misses it long. He's like short-sided. And if he doesn't get up and down, I win. If he gets up and down, we go into the playoff and he makes it. So I come in second. I'm like, man, like I was so close. Like, and I was like, that felt like awesome to even like, I, I had never really been in a position like that in a big tournament. And then the Kentucky am was couple weeks later, played great. And th those two just really gave me confidence going into the the blessings, which was, I think it was, yeah, it was all, it was during COVID. It was all the SEC teams. And that was really the biggest, the biggest thing that where I proved to myself that I can compete and, and compete with the best at this level. And back to what I said about the confidence thing and riding the hot streaks, it's just, I don't know. It's when you're when you're playing like that, you feel like you you can do anything, right? And it's one of those things you want to hang on to as long as you can. And it doesn't happen, but but you hope it lasts forever. But those are really good to just prove to myself that that I can that I can hang. Yeah, you you finished second this year at the Blessings Intercollegiate. What what is it about that course or about that event that suits you so well? Yeah, it's it's weird. On paper, it probably wouldn't really be a course that I would think I would play that well. I don't, I don't hit it the farthest and it's, it's 7,700 yards, but it's, it's a ball strikers course and you got to hit it good and you got to keep it in front of you and you got to play smart. And I tend to, I like, I, I think I'm, I like playing more on tougher courses where scores aren't as low just because I know that I can, 
rely on my ball striking and just keeping it in play off the tee. But obviously I had some good memories there, so that gave me some confidence for the tournament this year. But it's a really cool golf course, and I have a lot of good memories there. When you say that you're out there and you don't have a swing thought or anything like that, what is what does that mean exactly? Because I'm sure there are people listening to it, like especially people who are super in their own head or like, I've never not thought about my swing at any point in time, but especially when I'm on the golf course, what does it mean to be out there? Like you get, you get like, you're going through your pre-shot. What is your pre-shot like? And then like you're back there and then you're stepping over the ball in either of those cases, what's going through your head. And then after you hit the shot, what are you thinking? Yes. Yeah, so I would say like, for example, a lot of people, if they're working on something in their swing, they, think about those same things on the golf course and that that's good for some people, but I've never been someone who can think about something and play good golf. So I've just found a way to kind of channel it out. I go through my routine, pick a target and just kind of react and hit it. And oftentimes I'll literally hit a shot and I won't even remember hitting it because I just like, it's just, you're just like lost in what you're doing. You've done it so many times that you just, you honestly just forget and you're just so caught up in your routine and which because you do it every single day. But I've just learned for me that if I'm, let's say I'm working on something in my swing, I just cannot, I don't do well at thinking about it on the golf course. I just kind of play with what I have that day and, and, and just trust all the practice that I've put in is going to, is going to lead to success on the course. Has there ever been a, uh, what are, what's it like then when those, you get to the range every now and then and you're like, man, I can't, I couldn't hit a broadside of the barn with a golf ball from 10 yards. You know yeah. what I mean? Like what, what do you, oh, yeah. what do you do? That certainly happens. I, I think I just try to kind of try to find like a go-to shot. So let's say I'm hitting my driver terrible or something. Then I'll, I'll literally get on the course and tee it two inches off the ground and just get it in play. Hit like a little stinger out there. Just little things like that where it's like, I'm not hitting it great today. All right, I'm going to rely on my my short game today. Obviously, it doesn't always work, but but yeah, there are definitely. I, I'd be lying to you if I told you that hitting it bad on the range doesn't freak me out a little bit. I mean, you're obviously sent, you're going to the first tee. And you're like, these probably aren't the best thoughts, but I'm just going to play with what I have. But I, but I think one thing I've older I've gotten, I used to I, I try to just get my when I don't feel great about my game. If you can just get your not so great rounds closer to par. You know, I think that's what hurt me when I was younger is my bad rounds would be 76, 77. And you got to find a way, especially for pro golf, to turn those bad rounds into 72, you know. And that's one thing that I've, that I've definitely learned. When it comes to getting those bad rounds down, how do you do that? Because I think anybody who shoots 76 or 79 – be like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to shave four shots off that or seven shots off that. But like, how if I if I knew how to do it, I would do it. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, so when it comes yeah. to, when it came to you like developing developing the ability to do that, where what do you think that came from? I would say eighty percent of that is course management not short-siding yourself, taking the big number out of play. If you're out of position, pitch it back out into the fairway. Bogey's not going to kill you. That's one thing I've learned. A double will kill you or, or worse. But making a bogey in the grand scheme of things in a 54 or 72-hole tournament is not going to hurt you. 
And I think I've just had to learn to to stay patient, right? Like, say you start a tournament the first round and you bogey the first two holes. Over the course of 54 holes, those two holes are no different than the 36th or the 37th hole that you play, right? So I think the biggest thing is just staying patient. Corey Kaufman told me one time, I think he said uh, it's a six-mile run or something. It's not a 100-yard sprint, right? It's not a – golf is – there's a lot of holes, right? It's a four- or five-hour round with you in the course. You don't you don't have to birdie every hole. You don't – even, like I said, bogey's just not going to kill you. And I think the, the course management thing is big. And if you're if you don't have your stuff that day, instead of aiming at the pin – Play more conservative, right? Like, sit it to the fat part of the green and two putt and get out of there and make a par. You know, we talked a little bit about Coach Todd, and we've talked to Coach Todd and Coach Craig, both really good guys, really good coaches. But I just want to ask you a little bit about how how it's been this fall with the new coach, Gator Todd, and what you guys have been working on with the with the UK golf program. Yeah, it's – I'd be lying to you if I said that there was – similar it's it's been a big change it's a lot i would say more definitely a little more intense and it's very very focused he does a good job at challenging me i know sometimes he can get a little lackadaisical when you're at home or qualifying or i earlier this earlier this year i i was i was exempt for the tournament but everyone still plays the qualifiers and it was the last round of qualifying, and we had a freshman on our team, Michael Hake. He had, he just went like eagle birdie to tie me in the lead or something. And uh, coach pulls me aside and, and gives me a little bit of a talking to. And he's like, "Are you really gonna let this little freshman beat you? Like, come on, like show him like what you're made of, right?" It's just little things like that where he challenges you to to really step up. And yeah, it's qualifying, like it's. It's serious, but it's like it's not the same as a tournament, but he does a good job. And that's what I needed, right? I needed that kick in the butt to to really get going and focus because that'll help me down the road, whether that's college tournament or Q school or, or whatever that is. But I think that he does a good job with that. And, and he, he's big on uh, just the little things that we do every day, uh, body language, how you react to a shot, walking with your head up, your chest out, having confidence. Just little things like that that you don't always think of that mean so much. I mean, if you're in a college tournament, your teammates are playing either in front of you or behind you. So they see a lot of the things that you do. If you're moping or walking around with your head slumped, like that that doesn't look good on that guy. That guy's thinking, oh, man, Alex is having a bad day. I better step up and play well. Just little things like that that you don't always think about. I think he does a good job at relaying that message and making sure we're all on the same page. What's qualifying? been like we talked with him before he came over to Kentucky so and we know kind of his theory somewhat on qualifying but tell us what it's been like I know part of it's I'm just getting older and so there's a lot fewer people that I recognize but looking at the starting lineups uh that you guys have bring and I think you might have been the only name that I recognized the first couple events and so there's a lot of fresh faces out there. Yeah, qualifying this year, it's it's pretty cut and dry, depending on the tournament, what you finish the week prior in the tournament, depending on how good the, the tournament is, determines if you're exempt or not. And if you're not exempt, pretty much you're qualifying, um, especially because we have a 
we have some old guys. We have a fairly young team, and I think he just wants people to earn it at home. There might be one coach's pick, but for the most part, it's strictly qualifying. And I think I think that's good for the team that we have right now just because lineup is changing a little bit, and it's good for those guys to, to prove it at home, especially we've been able to have two, three weeks in between tournaments, so we've been able to play five or six round qualifiers. So you can do that over five or six round qualifier, the better players are going to separate themselves. Right. But it's good because it, it, it simulates tournament golf qualifying. It's very serious. I know some of the guys probably put too much pressure on themselves and want to play well, but it's hard just because you're, you're playing against your teammates who are your best friends and you're trying to beat the crap out of them. Right. And it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a different environment. That was something my, first couple of years that I had to get used to, had to kind of channel the, hey, this, I live with this guy, this guy's my roommate, but also like, I want to beat him, you know? And I think that's what some guys struggle with. And it's important to, to uh, overcome that. Yeah. So you guys are just now finishing up the fall season. And for me as a college golfer in Kentucky, you know, the fall was always relatively easy. You know, you just came off of summer golf, you're in a good good rhythm of of playing every day but then you got three four months where it gets super cold and then you just get thrown out into the spring spring semester so you've been at this for a few years you kind of know what's going on but tell me what your plan is for this winter preparing for that spring semester going into the postseason sec championships national championships yeah it's it's hard once it gets cold this time of year in kentucky that's probably my only knock on Lexington is the weather. You can't always play golf year round. So it's hard. But after that, we have one more tournament this weekend, and then I'll probably take a week or two off and then start practicing again, get some lessons from Corey, start working on some things that I know I need to work on. I'll probably try to go down to Florida once over Christmas break to get some good weather. But th- this year's a little different. Our first tournament of the spring is the first week of February. So it, it picks back up pretty fast. And it's it's hard because when school starts back in January, you might be able to play outside once every week or two. It's, it, we have a little bit of a disadvantage for some of the teams that are more south are getting to play and practice outside every day. But we have a great indoor facility with hitting bays and putting green and everything. So there's there's no excuses. But it, it, it is tough sometimes to to adjust early in the spring, especially when you haven't been playing outside a lot. Absolutely. As far as when it comes to that time off, what does that look like for you? Because like, I can imagine, at least for Cooper and I, taking time off for me was always really hard because I kind of forgot what to do. And like, I, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. Like when I, when I came, I came to UK after school, after Belmont and I was, and I wasn't a student athlete anymore. I was like, oh, hey. This is this is pretty easy. Like I go to class like two hours a day, and that's it. That's there's and I work out, but like there's there's nothing to do. And but when I was playing competitive golf, it was a lot different. You know how it is. I had eight a.m.s every day, so at eight a.m. class, I go till noon, try to throw something down my goal in the cafeteria, and then race out to the course, stay out there till eight at night or something like that. Then do homework. When it, and so like weeks off a didn't happen much, but, and also cause I sucked, I never took many weeks off. Cause like, well, I better keep practicing. Cause I can't, 
I can't suck. I can't, if I stop, if I don't practice, I'm not going to get any better. So when it comes to taking a week off, Hey, how do you kind of like let yourself relax for a second and say, Hey, this one, this, it's not going to kill me. It's actually going to be good for me. But also what do you do during that time? Yes. So I go into the same dilemma every year, this time of year, it's you're, you feel a little bit burnt out just because you go from the spring season directly into summer, directly into fall. So it's really probably nine months where you're playing in a row. And uh, as soon as the Phoenix, as soon as the season finishes, I'm always, all right, I'm going to take two, three weeks off. I'm not going to touch a club. I'm just going to hang out, relax, like enjoy my time off. And I would say most of the times I make it a week and then I'm just going crazy, not knowing what to do with myself. And I'm like, all right, like, I, I, I guess I'm just addicted to it, but I'm just, I don't know what to do with myself. Like you're saying, you just have, all of a sudden you go from doing something five hours a day to not doing it at all. You're like, man, like, I just don't feel right. Not practicing every day. So I'll take, I'll probably put the clubs up for a week, maybe two, and uh, just hang out with the guys, and maybe we'll plan a little trip somewhere and, and get away. But but yeah, I, I I go through the same thing every single year, um, and and then I'll I'll get a good plan together for the off season, and then figure out what I what exactly I want to do. And like I said earlier, not it's easy to especially when you have so much a little more free time during the off season to say, hey, I'm gonna practice all day every day, but. Sometimes in all season, I think it's better, like I said earlier, to just, all right, I'm going to take two hours today. I'm going to have a focused practice and do what I know I need to get done. And I'm going to leave and feel good about myself, right? I, I got better today. And oftentimes, especially during the offseason, I think that's more beneficial than just going through the motions out here all day. Yeah, I, I can believe that. When it comes to like going down to Florida and taking advantage of weather down there for a week, what do you try to do to take advantage of that? Yeah, so we always we usually have a uh, trip in December um, down in Jupiter with one of my old teammates, Jay. Um, they're they're they belong to a pretty good course down there, and we'll take some guys down there and play for. We'll play thirty six holes a day for five days straight, four or five days straight, and uh, it's nice just because it's you're kind of getting back into the swing of things. It's kind of the 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 restart, get, just heading into the spring. It's not relaxing. It's not uptight it's it's just hanging out with your buddies having fun playing golf so that that kind of that kind of jump starts me into the spring every year i would say um it's nice to get out of this cold weather in kentucky but i do i usually go home over christmas break uh back to north carolina so i can play golf most of the time time there so i i'm I'm lucky i don't i don't have to spend the entirety of the winter here bundled up in the cold so yeah that's the plan i get that that's why cooper and i over at the bowling alley, he put we put in an indoor simulator. Uh, I don't live in Lexington anymore. I live in Atlanta. I was just I was telling I was telling Alex about the the simulator the other day. I was telling him about the little uh, gambling game uh, that you hit it closest to the pin. He was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to do that." Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's a pretty good one. And there's some guy who's who's the guy that's actually on that. He played in he played at Alabama for a little bit and then transferred to a school near there back in like 06, 07. And I think he sells insurance now. You know who I'm talking about, Cooper? But apparently yeah. Yeah. the guy run the guy runs the table a lot on it. Oh yeah, so. he just has one in his basement and he just he plays it all day every day and he's won like hundred K on the on the damn thing. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, but I under, it's not it's not up to the UK level setup but it's a it's nice to have that those indoor facilities when you guys have practice 
at indoor facilities in the winter, what are you trying to do? Cause you, you said like they're good facilities and they are good, but like nothing replaces playing a golf course, especially under tournament conditions pretty much at all. Yeah. I, I would say it's use the track man a lot for competitions and challenges, work on a lot of like distance control and things that you don't always, that you can't always do. All, just things to replace practice on the golf course. A lot of competitions will play, a lot of chipping and putting games, um, and then guys will do a lot of technique work in the facility with the mirrors and cameras. So it's good for that. But, yeah, I mean, going on the course is invaluable, and, and it's tougher for me, like I said earlier, because I like to do so much of my practice on the course. I feel like I lose a little bit of that this time of year, and sometimes I find myself – when I am practicing inside, working on my doing more technique stuff than I want to, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to video this swing and video this swing and work on this. And, and sometimes I catch myself going down that rabbit hole of getting too technical because I'm more of like a field player. I don't I'm not huge into that stuff. And I think it's important to to really know your identity in your game and, and don't let that sway when the weather gets cold or you're practicing in a different spot. I'd say that's very important. Yeah, so I think we're getting close to time, but before before we get to that stuff, I do want to ask you one question, which is, you know, you are the leader of of this team, and you're going into your senior year, so you guys kind of have one more year to finish up the season. How do you lead your teammates on the course, and how do you lead your teammates off the course? I think it's not really talked about, but leadership happens off the course as well. And I'll and I'll interject there quickly. I know it can be tough to lead people. I think Ashton Van Horn, I don't know if you know him, was our team captain at Belmont and I was a freshman there. And for a variety of reasons, I love Ashton. We're really close friends. But for a variety of reasons, when we were at school together, it was definitely definitely had Arguments, definitely things that are uncharacteristic for me, definitely had arguments, definitely had, there are definitely issues sometimes. And both he and I probably made missteps as far as leadership and following leadership goes. So how do you, and when you got like, yeah, they're like 18 year old guys or 19 year old guys, but like, as far as I was concerned when I was 18 or 19, I was the shit. So uh, even if I sucked, like, uh, I, Ash, sure, I, no one's going to tell me what to do, but surely not someone only a few years older than me. So, how does it, how, how do you manage trying to lead a team while recognizing, hey, like they, they know I'm mortal? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I just kind of try to put myself in the younger guys' shoes. I know when I first got here, there were a couple guys on the team that I kind of came to for advice, whether that's golf, whether that's school, whether it's social life, anything off the golf course. And I just kind of try to be there for the younger guys and and let them know that, hey, if they have a question about something, they can always come to me and be open with me. And, and I think that's important because sometimes younger kids will feel like they can't always do that with the coach. They, they think he's strictly – authority and the top dog and and they can't always come to the coach with more personal questions and advice. And I think it's important when you are that older guy and one of the leaders to just be there for the younger guys and, and let them know that you're always, you're always there to help with anything, whether that's, I know 
I had a couple of freshmen text me about where one of their classes were, whether it's something as small as that or helping someone with their golf game or, or just anything like that. But yeah, it, it is hard because sometimes people's egos get in the way and it's, Hey, I'm, why would I ask this guy for help? Right? Like I'm just as good as he is, or we're on the same level. Like why, why do I need help? But kind of got to take a step back and, uh, and realize that, that uh, we're all a team and we all have one common goal and uh, just got to be there for each other. Coach can't keep you from blacking out and he can't keep you from doing dumb things, but hopefully, hopefully your teammates and older teammates can help push you in the right direction. And so it's, that's true. You can't go to your coach for everything. Going to our last question for every guest, it's the same. And it's, if you could go back to yourself as a junior golfer and tell yourself just one thing, what would that one thing be? Um, there's a pretty good quote. Or I guess it's a quote that Coach Craig was pretty big on. It's uh, it's talk to yourself, don't listen to yourself. Um, if you really think about that, that, a lot of a lot of times when you're on the golf course, you let the internal thoughts creep in, and that would be listening to yourself, right? If you if you talk to yourself, it's more of the the positive thoughts and hey, like I can do this, I can, I'm gonna make this putt, I'm gonna hit this shot. That's a big thing. And then I would say just don't be so hard on yourself. I've struggled with this in the past, but sometimes it's very hard to keep the golf course separate from off the golf course, right? You don't want – when you go home at night, you don't want your roommate to know if you played good or bad, right? Like you should you should be the same person. You can't carry that baggage off the golf course, and that's something that we all struggle with just because we put so much time and energy into this game and we care so much. But it's I think it's – it's very important just for your well-being to to leave everything on the golf course. And then when you're done, you know, you, you unwind and you, you separate golf and, and the rest of your life. And uh, I think that's very important that I know I still struggle with it, gotten a little better over the years. But I know when I was in high school, I thought it was end all be all if I play bad. Right. And it, it's just not at the end of the day, it's a game and we're all just having fun. And yeah. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Where can people find you on social media, et cetera? I would just say my Instagram. I don't do Twitter, but Instagram is AlexGolf10. Um, so you can find me on there. So, yeah. Be sure to give Alex a follow. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please subscribe and leave a rating. If you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. This helps us get our message out to more people, help more people learn what it takes to play elite tournament golf. And if you, are trying to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at the tournament code and on X slash Twitter tournament code. As always, we appreciate you joining us and look forward to diving in deeper to what it takes to play elite tournament golf.